Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are live here, bare bones, after a brief hiatus because I went off to hang out with Mickey Mouse. Uh, I am Mason West, uh, doctor of physical <laughs> therapy and co-host of the show, joined by Danny Meehan. I know I'm still butchering his last name, but it's closer than the No, you got it right. Minute. You nailed it. <laughs> yes. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm good, Mason. I'm, I'm happy to be joining the good doctor himself. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feeling good, feeling good. Why am it's I good. hearing a reverb? Is it me? I'll turn it down a little bit. Maybe. Anywho. All right. So normally what we'll do is we'll start with something such as the knee-jerk reaction. And then we do a bunch of other things. But we had so much crazy news happen that we're going to move on to some other stuff. It's funny, though, because <laughs> my knee-jerk reaction from the last game was all about Roquan Smith anyway. And so it kind of blends into now instead... See you, Roquan. Are you still hearing the reverb? Uh, a little bit. You're kind of cutting in and out, but we'll figure it out. All right, well, Nothing crazy. Terribly. All right, cool. So what is your thought process on Roquan Smith? Um, you know, I had a whole, I think I tweeted out a whole like thread about this. I thought truthfully when they announced the signing or hiring, whatever of Matt Eberflus and they brought him in that the move to the will linebacker position in the quote unquote, traditional Tampa two cover two scheme, whatever you want to call it was going to be the best thing for Roquan Smith. He's a little undersized. He's good in coverage. He's a pretty sure tackler, excuse me, this, that, the other. And Frankly, like I thought he was better than some thought he was throughout the majority of the time that he spent here under Eberflus, but he wasn't great for a guy who was asking $19, 20000000 million a year. Um, but I think it's probably a move best for all parties involved. The Ravens are in there quote-unquote championship window with Lamar on the last year of his rookie deal. Same goes for Roquan. Um, the Bears clearly ripping it down to the studs in most aspects of this team. And moving forward what in a way that they got decent value for him. They got a, a late second-round pick and probably a middle fifth-round pick for him to move on. It And I think it was clear – that after the trade request, Mason, that once that happened, that there might not have been much saving the relationship looking back on it. I know revisionist analysis is not analysis, but it, looking back on it, it just feels that way, doesn't it? But Danny, Roquan was shocked that he was traded. Oh, bite me. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, you go out and make the statement that you did 
during Family Fest, right? All eyes are in the Chicago football area going to be right there. And you have your little notebook tweet that you sent out. Like, come on now. Like, don't play the victim here. No, don't. Don't do that. But so in terms of the whys, right? You know, I think that was a big part of it. It's not like we're sitting here saying, you know, polls are sitting holding grudges, but it was a part of the story of how far apart they were. You know, like you don't necessarily want to go to the discussion table when you have someone who's trying to pull stuff like Roquan's doing. And, you know, he is his own. He doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself. And I doubt that agents across the league would actually do anything like that. Be like, hey, send out a tweet like that, you know, with with a message basically bashing the, the front office that you're trying to get money from. But on top of that, like you were saying, he wasn't really playing like a number one, not, let alone you know top three, et cetera, inside linebacker. Uh, I know it's one game, but he had five tackles in that Cowboys game. And yeah, he led the league in tackles with 83 and was had two interceptions, which let's be real, some of those interceptions were gimmies, but still got him to his credit. But there... But he wasn't game in and game out the guy. He wasn't the dude like you need to be to be a top paid person, especially at a position that you don't really want to pay that often. You don't want to play pay off of all linebackers big money. So you know, you can't have games like the Green Bay game where he only had like 11 tackles and got burned by Randall Cobb for a big first down. You can't have the Vikings game where you only had eight tackles and were chasing after wide receivers and tight ends and coverage instead of meeting them at the line. You, you just can't. No, you can't. It's similar to like you can't be the guy who wants who wants to be the first twenty million dollar a year off ball linebacker and underperform. Just like I used to hold Matt Nagy accountable when he was the Mister Happy Go Lucky Ray of Sunshine, and then he would be the well, I wasn't here to hop, to run the I formation. Like you can't be both guys. You got to pick one. Like it, it's just the nature of the beast when you are that personality type or that or you want that kind of money. You're not allowed to be a certain level when you want to be paid a certain way. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. And, and then, it, and then it even leaves a bad taste in your mouth when he does leave. And like we talked about, you know, he's like, he's shocked that he's traded. I wish all the best for Roquan, but it's not just, and it's not just on the, on the field stuff. It's the off the field stuff. Like his rookie year, he held out because he wanted certain things in his contract. He lost his iPad. He's crashed his car. He had, he had the, the weird sexual assault allegation in, what was it, South Africa or Australia this offseason? Yeah, right. during COVID, he was on a boat partying with, like, with the peak of COVID with the porn star. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't give you all this money when you're just doing questionable things, man. I just can't. Uh, you know what? I'm with you, and I'm probably one of the bigger Roquan, like, quote-unquote apologists or stands, however you want to phrase it out there. But at a certain point, the excuses run out. Yeah. So I, I totally get the move. Do I think the value is right? Maybe not necessarily, but it was fair given the context of everything. I'm glad you brought up the value because would you have wanted more? I mean, like, yes, I would have loved the first back. But when the Ravens I would have pref- have to pay him too, I mean, that's part of the equation, right? I mean, they're not going to give up top picks when they have to now pay this guy. I mean, is it calculated on their end, though, where, say, this is just them going all in on a title run with Lamar in his last year? They don't technically have to pay him. If they let him walk, they might just get a third-round compensatory pick and call it a wash. Yeah, that's entirely true. I mean, if I had to put my money down, I think they're still going to pay him. 
but well, they have to because this is this is the compounding this is the compounding interest, right? Of a uh, oh, who did the Jets sign? Uh, that was their linebacker years ago that forced them into drafting Patrick Queen a couple years back. Oh my God, this is gonna it was it's all compounding interest though. They left the yeah, they let the, yeah. the the linebacker walk to New York, and then they draft C.J. Mosley. Mosley oh, yes, walked, got paid his $15, $16 million a year, whatever it was, by the Jets. So they drafted Patrick Queen to replace him. Patrick Queen has, for lack of better terminology, underperformed. Mm-hmm. And they they waste, they they invested a second-round pick into – or a first-round pick into Patrick Queen to underperform. Now they're investing a second and a fifth-round pick to get that inside linebacker position correct with Roquan Smith. I would be remiss if they – let him walk, but I'm just saying it is a possibility that maybe this is their them just trying to go all in and just capitalize on the last year of of Ro, of uh, not Roquan but Lamar. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean that whole thing with Lamar is even a, a, yeah. You you and I are both heavy team Lamar, and we're those first couple weeks of the season when he was just you know going. Oh, he was he was on the actual Lamar season. Yeah, yeah, and then it came crashing <laughs> down a bit when. You know, the league caught up a little bit. His receivers are getting hurt. You know, Mark Andrews has been in and out. Now Bateman's done for the year with his with his Liz Frank injury. Ugh, it's yeah. tough. Um, I wonder if they're regretting going all in for Roquan now that they're down but one of their uh, – really second receiver because Mark Andrews is their top one. Yeah. But there was another move that, as we talked about before we started, Danny, is the move of all moves. Trading Ro- for or, superstar. Uh, no. Chase Claypool or Chase Claypool. What are your thoughts on this trade? Stop that. That's enough. Put bring your little drum in. Bring your little oh, drum right. in. I absolutely have to. There it is. So what are your, what are your thoughts on, on Claypool? I mean, a you know, second round pick and an, an early one. But the Bears own pick. Um so I again another thread that like you know when you're a quote unquote fanalist as you and I are you kind of put your thoughts out there after you take some take a minute to marinate them because doing the, the the instant reaction thing it's not entirely balanced as it were. Um, I loved Claypool coming out of Notre Dame. I actually think I had him as my sixth or seventh wide receiver at that position coming out, but. He's kind of like the way I would view OJ Mayo years ago coming out of the NBA draft, that he is still the same guy. Like, he's never gotten better. In fact, he uh, peaked. Don't, don't do that to me. OJ first, Mayo? He, he kind of is the same dude he was at Notre Dame. Like, he's just this big, vast specimen. His route tree really hasn't developed or gotten better. He's, in fact, gotten worse year over year over year, production-wise. And you can blame it on a multitude of things. It can be the fact that Ben became busted. Mitch is awful. Kenny Pickett is unproven, but not great to this point in his career. And I don't think Matt Canada is an NFL offensive coordinator. No, Matt Canada is doo-doo. Right. But at a certain point, why are you losing your job to a rookie? And and you're right. You know, you look at you talked about production. He had 62 catches. And, and, and I'm not saying like OJ Mayo in terms of the underperformance. I'm saying OJ Mayo was this great player at USC, got to the league, and never became more than OJ Mayo. He was just still painfully 
OJ Mayo. And he was a good player until he had a multitude of off the, off the court issues. I'm saying just the fact at this point in his career, there's really not much difference between now and when he came out of Notre Dame in terms of the skill set, the talent level. He's the same kind of guy. Now, the, and like you said, yeah, the production definitely changed, right? He went from 62 catches, 873 yards, and nine touchdowns down now at this point, you know, down to uh, 59 catches, 860 yards, two touchdowns last year. And then this year, he only has one touchdown. He only has 32 catches. It's not, those are not fantastic numbers. But like, and he's averaging under 10 yards a catch. Under 10 yards a catch. Um, But what you do, but then look at, or at least for what I'm looking at, at all, all those factors you talked about. The fact that even in his rookie year, Ben Roethlisberger's arm was a noodle, and it got even worse in his second year. And when you watch those, some of those games, I mean, he was under throwing that he couldn't get any air on the ball. And we've seen that's what Chase does best. And then Matt Canada also had come in, who is not, I don't think it, you just said that is an offensive coordinator at all. And then you add in the fact that they moved him into the slot. Now, why they move him in the slot is because he wasn't progressing like they wanted him to. Is it because they wanted the bigger body? Is it because they just love George Pickens that much? It's I don't know. Obviously, we're not sitting in those meeting rooms. And, and it could be a multitude of all the factors. But I, and I think one of the things I I think he will jive well with Luke Getzey. I think he will jive well with Justin Fields. And you know, one of the other things that you and I have talked about before with him is the maturity thing. You know, is he, is he putting in the time he needed to on the field in the in like in the watching film? All those things. It's hard to tell because you look at him he, and he's a fun guy, but, you know, it, it just seemed like it was very heavy on the TikTok stuff. Right. It was heavy on doing all the social media things. It was then he had the issue where, you know, Steelers are driving down the field and he goes to celebrate and cost them multitude of seconds that they needed. There, there definitely was a maturity issue going on there. The question I think I have is, does being traded away for only a second round pick, does that shake him up? Well, I mean, yes and no. I think personally when you're trading away a likely top 40 pick, you're telling him he's the man. Like, and I think you're also telling him you're probably extending him. At, that's, what I would, that's what I would think, but like at, at so around, the team said they didn't want you. That wouldn't hurt you? That wouldn't make that wouldn't motivate you? I mean, maybe a little bit, but at the same time, it's also probably a, a, a big banner in the air of Chicago saying, hey, you're about to get 19 to $20 million a year for the next four years. He's only 24. I mean, he's not even 25 years old yet. So, but back to what I was saying, I like the trade for the player, especially because you're betting on not just a rare talent, but an exceptionally rare talent. Guys like him don't just come out. Every year there's guys that are 6'2", 210, running 4'4", 4'5". That's a wide receiver, right? He's bigger than that. He's thicker than that. He's almost 240 pounds, I believe, by measurement of the combine. And he ran a sub-445. That's a big man moving very, very, very fast. And he's he's not like DK Metcalf, who are the other two guys. Uh, the other two guys that were that size and weight who ran sub-445 were Calvin Johnson and DK Metcalf. The thing he does better specifically than DK is – he can move laterally better. He can flip his hips and he's fluid. DK is one direction. He's going one way. I'm not saying he's DK Metcalf, nor am I saying he's going to be better than DK Metcalf. I'm saying he has the physical traits of that pre-draft combine that DK Metcalf had. 
good. And then the next, and then the next layer of this is why, why a second, right? Cause I think leading up to the trade deadline, you heard a lot of things about, you know, a third being floated out there, stuff like that. And I think that's another big important part of this is not just why do you want the player? Cause I think it's pretty obvious why you want the player. The bears are lacking <laughs> weapons that he has these traits you're talking about. I mean, like he was basically built, grown in a lab to play football. And, but, but again, why, why a second? And I think what polls did a good job of, and we've, you and I've talked about this is looking ahead at what 2023 free agency and, and the draft and like what that look like. And actually, if you pull this up here, this is a list of the available free agents. And besides maybe Juju, who already kind of didn't clearly didn't come to you. He went to the, the chiefs, um, uh, you know, bears called him up and it didn't happen. There's no one on that list that I would take over Chase Claypool at this point. I mean, would you? No, no, not at all. I mean, it it's not a fair question because Chase has just got the age factor on him. Like, if you're talking purely on production, like right. the name that jumps out at me is Jarvis Landry. That's like a four or five time Pro Bowler, but he's going to be 31 next year, I believe. So, I mean, he's been hurt like heck this year, and he's been hurt like heck this year. But you're talking you when you dish out NFL contracts or professional sport contracts in general, you're not paying for past production. You're paying for them for what they will do right for future production. It's all a gamble on the, on the, on the, uh, on the future. And the other thing you, you highlight is, you know, polls got a lot of flack for not signing individuals for this year. Right. And and I, Mm -hmm. I'm right there with them. I agree. It's, it's tough to, to really justify having absolutely nobody brought in besides really Pringle, I guess, and you're drafting Bayless Jones. But I think the other thing I would highlight now is this list, which shows the 2022 wide receiver agents that signed deals. And, you know, these are the people essentially that were available for proposals to get. And again, I look at this list, especially at those price tags. Like if you look at Chris, you know, Christian Kirk at the top and how much he was paid. Um, and again, you can always catch us live, catch us live later on, on YouTube if you can't see this. But I mean, are you, would you rather have Chase and then potentially extend him at that 20 mil you were talking about or Christian Kirk? Yeah, I mean, the only other name that when you look at that with the – like, I think Russell Gage is a good bargain for the 3-30, and 30, but they had the chance to sign him. They, just, they simply didn't. Yeah, and so for Thanks. those listening, I mean, you have Allen Robinson, ugh, Marquise Valdez-Gamling, Russell Gage, maybe, and maybe, Zay Jones, Cedric Wilson, Jakeem Grant, we did that experiment was okay it's, it's and then well, you, you missed the best one mason dj chark do, 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 do. i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's where it just makes sense in terms of yes you're gonna have to pay him like you said there's a message being sent top 40 pick you're being traded for you're gonna get you're probably gonna get extended and by probably i mean you are but these are the people that you can sign instead for that same money that's you know 17 mil uh aav that christian kirk had yeah give me Give me Chase Claypool. The other thought process some people have is, well, take that second round draft pick and draft someone. Uh, I really value Dane Brugler over at the Athletic. What he does, it's amazing. And he put out his top fifty list. The only, you know, people like Quentin Johnson, he had his number seventeen. Jordan Addison, eighteen. Jack Jackson Smith, Najibun, twenty six. Uh, Rasheed Rice, forty eight. The only two receivers that really fell into that range that we're talking about here that that Bears mm-hmm. pick really would be are. Uh, Jalen Hyatt at number 37 and uh, Keishon Boot. Is it Boot or Boutte? I thought it was Boutte, but I could be wrong. Okay, Keishon Boutte at 39. 
that's only two receivers in that in the entirety of that range. I mean, that's not a dearth of talent you're looking at. And again, mm-hmm. this is one person's opinion, but I think I really, I highly right. value. And the, the only reason I would push back on that is because I, because I, I, I did have this in my DMs and in my mentions when I put out my thread on this with my thoughts. You're talking about four years of control, not one and a half. That matters, and we're. And this is the part I need to really let people in on is the, we found out the runner-up in the Claypool sweepstakes, sweepstakes eh, was the Green Bay Packers, who are probably, again, going to end up finishing around the 45th or so pick, right-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, had we as Bears fans seen them give up that high second-round pick for Chase Claypool, what would, he have, what would we have done as fans? Probably gone scorched earth laughing at them. See, that's so, that's where I disagree. I would have been like, good job, you finally did what you were supposed to do. See, I would have laughed. And it's, that's just me. And Because I'm going off of production. Chase Claypool, for all intents and purposes, has underachieved based on his rookie year. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree his, more. My, his, my all his production. Sure. Go ahead. My Sorry. contention to that, though, is... With production comes great responsibility and higher value. Like the people that produced that got traded this sure. year, the receivers, AJ Brown, he went for a first round pick and a third, and he got paid a hundred million dollar extension. Marquise Brown, who didn't even produce that well, he was a first round pick. Tyreek Hill, a first, second, and fourth, as well as a, a fourth and sixth in 2023. Devontae Parker went for a third. Like, and he is mm-hmm. not hasn't really done anything in Miami, didn't do anything in Miami, and really hasn't done anything in New England. So you talk mm-hmm. about Yes, you want to trade for production, but if you're going to trade for production, now you're paying way more than a second. Okay, no, I, and I'm I'm with you, Mason. I'm just saying, is it not a red flag that all the production that we look back on came in like the first 12 games of his career? That part is interesting, and I would need to do a deeper dive on that. Why in the second half did it fall off? And that's where right. that I'm, the, I'm not I'm saying it's a bad move. I actually, by and large, like the move. It's okay to like the move and like the player, and also be uncomfortable with the compensation given up. Is it not? There are two mutually exclusive ideologies. Yeah, they absolutely are. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page in what I'm saying there. Yeah. You like overall who Claypool could be and what he was coming out. As you said, he hasn't necessarily, he has not progressed. He hasn't grown. And because of that, you're worried about the compensation. Right. And then I see Vaughn here in our comments. What do you mean he was playing with an over-the-hill Big Ben? Mitch Trubisky is a nice receiver. Who, how is it an overpay? He's never had over 1,000 yards, and all his production fell off after 12 weeks in his rookie year, Vaughn. I'm not saying he's a bad football player. I'm not even saying I dislike him. I like the football player, and I like everything that his physical talent could be. He's got a lot of maturity, maturity issues that he has to overcome. He has to grow up, which can happen. He is young. He's only going to be 25 years old by the time he's extended for his – four years and $85 million or whatever it's going to be. And he, he just needs to produce more. It's, I get it that you're supposed to achieve that. You can only do so much as a receiver that you are only able to get the balls thrown to you. Yeah. I just, I kind of what uh, G station seven was saying. I can also picture the world where the bears, we're staunchly like, no, you can only, you'll, we'll give you the Ravens one. We're not going to give you our second. Mm-hmm. He goes to the Packers and, you know, he fight, he puts up that next year, that full thousand yard season and da 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 da. Like, 
that storyline would, would sure. hurt me. The, the, the part where I will say that you have to deal with the compensation is you're up against it. This is receivers are starting to corner the market. Good receivers get paid. They get compensation and draft picks, money, et cetera, et cetera. They are harder and harder and harder to come by. And when we already showed the list of upcoming free agent receivers, outside of Jacoby Myers, it's kind of riddled with bums. Like, and let's think, like, I was just in Disney, right? I spent $14 on a very mediocre burger and fries. Why? Because that was the market. I was stuck at Disney. That was what was in front of me. There it is. That's what I had to get. And same thing here. Like, it's the market was the market because they're, you're having a bidding war against the Packers. You were looking at what 2023 free agency looked like, and it was mm-hmm. bleh. all the things we listed. It is what it is. And that's one of those things where – same thing with contracts, right? The contract that he does get, the extension he gets, will probably look, we're hoping, and we look back other, and we're like, oh, that was an underpay. The other part of it is that you have to probably understand is this probably kills a, a receiver in the top three rounds of the draft for them. It's over. You're probably looking at all defensive and, and trench players. And I kind of I kind of like that because as we as I listed with, you know, Dame Brugler's uh, individuals there. Oh, sure. Less, no, no, I'm not arguing that. To, no. to reach on that receiver at early and so you're like sure. okay best player available but like you're, you're right yeah you're not gonna have that sexy first round receiver and, probably and from everything i can gather it seems like they like Nikhil harry it probably means he's your third receiver going into next year and that's okay but you have to be comfortable with the fact that you have two wide receiver two a or two b's versus any true dude at wide receiver at this moment in time yeah, and you're continuing to hope that Justin is the, a dude and with whatever he does with his legs or whatever else he is bringing to the table, that he takes those twos and it's like they're ones because you're worried about what Justin Correct. is going to do. And Absolutely. you're worried about hopefully the run game. The run game hopefully continues to be good. 100%. All right, that was, that was a good little discussion. Let's move on to actually looking at the game ahead of us. So training room roundup, uh, we're going to be looking here at what the Bears and what the Dolphins have. One of the biggest news pieces, and you'll notice because he's not listed here, is uh, Cody Whitehair, right? I mean, he went from IR to not even on the injury report. I'm thinking that means he starts in some capacity. I would, I would agree. I mean, how do you, how do you not? If you're saying that he is able to fully participate, and so far we have Wednesday and Thursday in practice unless there's some crazy setback, I mean, he's back. And I would imagine he's playing left guard. Okay. Before we move on, I just want to point out this comment from Richard Long on our little uh, side over here. Um, He says his value is linked to the evaluation of the Bears quarterback. And I a hundred percent agree. That was actually part of my thread. The biggest part of them giving up that top 40 pick or what will likely be a top 40 pick is it means they bought into number one. He is the most important guy that isn't named Eberflus or Poles in that building. And I'm so happy that this trade went down because it can squash a lot of the banter about, oh, you know, Poles doesn't believe in fields and this, that, and the other. And maybe, you know what, weeks one through, what, five? Maybe that might have been true. But these last couple sure. of weeks, it's changed. And that's a good question, actually, before we go back to the training room stuff. do you, If those last three weeks hadn't happened like they did, do they make this deal? We don't know because we have every reason to believe that they might not have been fully bought in on Justin because he's not, they didn't pick him. That's not their quarterback. I mean, he is now 
but he they had no attachment to him going into this year. They had no attachment to him really probably until four weeks ago. But now like, we can wash our hands of that whole conversation. They're they're right. in on Justin clearly because they they spent draft capital to bring in a receiver that fits exactly. him. That fits him too. They fit. Especially because I don't think they make this move unless they have some sort of inclination that he would want him as well. Yeah, exactly. So we're ba- oh back to the injury report. Sorry, uh, sorry, I didn't mean no, to, no, to I, derail us, no, but I just saw that and I that thought was, it was important. To, to talk about that was good to highlight <laughs> no we got cody whitehair more, more likely than not back and he was having a good year really before he was uh, he was having back. a bounce back year which so that's fantastic um big shot potentially, potentially fantastic depends on what <laughs> you think of this player Lloyd borum did not participate again with a concussion meaning riley reef will be more likely than not i don't imagine he's you don't go from two dmps with a concussion and like let's say a limited on friday and pop back in and play mm-hmm. borum's going to be out so depends on what your thoughts on Borum are. Maybe your team Riley Reef, but it looks like he'll be starting again. And he was good last week. Reef was fine. Yep. And I think that's what you get. It's that's the tough part about a, a season like this is it's all about growth and it's all about the future. So yeah, you're going to ride with a guy like Borum because potentially what is he going to become? But you can see what happens when you have a veteran who just mm-hmm. has been around the block and is more consistent. Sure. The rest of these for the Bears, nothing too much we have to look at as of right now. Um, I would imagine that Kyler Gordon and Eddie Jackson should be full participants on Friday. We'll see when that happens. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, full participant, no big deal. This Miami Dolphins list is stupid. Like, <laughs> why are you doing this to me? Like, look how long this is. This is absurd. Like, I'm, it just goes on and on. Look at this stupid thing. Um, the I mean, I, just looking at the ones that matter, uh, Teron Armstead is one of the better left tackles in football. Death taxes and Teron Armstead missing games. It's just the nature of it. Um, Armstead probably is going to play, I guess, based on limited participation. Uh, that I mean, that's not great for the Bears, especially considering they already struggled to, to generate any sort of pressure based on the fact that they're second to last in the league in quarterback pressures generated, only ahead of the Los Angeles Rams by about 11 of them. But uh, going down the list real quick, Xavier Howard's awesome, but I'm going to guess he's probably out based on the DNP and then and then nothing, the, the parentheses with a negative in, under it. So I'm going to guess that means he didn't per- – Participate again? Oh, the friends uh-huh. is the negative. It's just like you're not even you're not worried about it. They're they're good. Oh, you're not okay. I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's it's a it's fun. Um, where is it? Christian not, Wilkins it's not listed. Practice. So basically, that just means like you're not even. They're no longer it. on the injury yeah. report. Okay. Yeah. Uh, going so down it. There's no one. Ingram's, long story short, there's yeah. no one on here that you're concerned about as a Bears fan. Like, yay, they're not playing, or like, darn it, like it, everyone who's gonna who's playing uh, should be playing is playing at this point unless something crazy yeah. happens uh the only one that i saw was christian wilkins i think he's a pretty good football player and I that's gonna make life hard yeah, uh fine. for for one uh one cody whitehair and sam mustafer gross <laughs> so but yeah, yeah that's about it boring stuff for there uh, we'll see. Well, you know, check back in. Um, listen to the T formation. Um, I'll do that tomorrow, actually, with you know, with Lester. Uh, I'm so sure a bunch of you listen to that. So we'll get the Friday report and see if there's anything to discuss. But more likely than not, this is kind of 
kind of probably your list. Dolphins are going to be full strength, except for probably uh, River Craft, whoever that is. And uh, Bears are going to be down to Gorham. Yay. <laughs> All right. So take a short break here, and then we're going to get back into it for a full preview. And welcome back. We are here now. We've shifted, so we're doing some of the segments we tend to do a little earlier in the show for a review of the last game into more of the preview section. Uh, keep it a little shorter in, in these areas. So the first thing up, we got, to be perfectly honest, this is where we look at something, look at the brutally honest ahead of the next uh, game coming up. For me, it's this run defense could actually be better off than we think for this game. You know, it's hard when you come off of allowing 200 rushing yards to the Cowboys. It's hard when you lose Roquan, who obviously, again, we talked about him at the beginning of the show to, to the full extent. We have to, don't have to keep going into that. But this Dolphins rushing game is not exactly something that's amazing. You know, you have Raheem Mostert, and they just traded for Jeff Wilson, which I think is just kind of funny that you have two old 49ers quarterbacks. Mostert has 452 yards this year. He's only averaging about 4.5 yards a carry, and he only has one touchdown. This yards per carry is actually the lowest of his career, which is kind of crazy, but he's been more involved in the passing game. 13 receptions for 97 yards already to this season. And he, he only had 14 and 16 catches in 2019, 2020 total. They need a little more oomph. They went and got Jeff Wilson, especially because they traded away Chase Edmonds as a part of that Bradley Chubb deal. Uh, Jeff Wilson, he's doing solid. He's had 468 yards this season, two touchdowns, 5.1 yards per attempt. And he does have one game against the Panthers for 120 yards rushing. So long story short, I don't think it's going to be necessarily as bad as we were thinking maybe previously, especially coming off that Cowboys game. I mean, it depends. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the plan is at linebacker right now because are they going to move Nicholas Morrow outside the weak side linebacker? Is A.J. Klein going to play there? Is A.J. Klein moving to the middle? I, I don't know. I, I – and I actually tweeted out in the offseason right when he got released by, I believe it was the Bills, that I wanted him to be in Chicago as a Sam because I thought he would help ease the transition into the defense because of playing under Sean McDermott, under, both, under Sean McDermott in both Carolina and Buffalo. So he's familiar with the defense. I'm with you. I don't think the running game is going to hurt as much. It's the, it's the lack of pass rush generated by the front seven and uh, the two arguable fastest receivers in football being in the same room. It's like guarding the backcourt of Steph and Clay when they were at their height. The two best jump shooters in the league are on the same team, and now you have the two fastest receivers in the league arguably on the same core, both outside on you. What about you? What is your uh, perfectly, brutally honest take uh, heading into this game? <sighs> that this defense is going to be awful for the rest of the year. Um, I, I hope – this is this is why you hire a guy like Eberflus, though. Like he is coaching McCoacherson, as I've said on here before. He, I think you're going to see a lot more just, you know, shell coverages, a lot of cover three, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover six, too high stuff, where you're just going to basically say this is how we coach, this is how we're going to do it. There's not going to be a lot of dis disguising or anything like that. I don't think it's going to be just we got to develop within the scheme itself. Keep it simple. The kiss method, as it were, for the the young guys in the back end, like Brisker and Gordon, and just say, "All right, let's go." Like, and I think there's just something to say about having guys that are in the right spot at the right time. 
Uh, sure. I'm not trying to make him sound like he's going to be some savior or anything, but I'm really interested to see what. Let's assume Moro moves over to the will. Maybe Klein goes to Mike, but what if Jack Sanborn is your Mike and he is just the guy who's in the right place at the right time consistently? Sure. He's going to come downhill. He's going to thump some heads. We saw that in the in the preseason. He is going – He and he, he is around the ball. He has a nose for it and has his whole career. It's not new. At the Badger program, he, he made a lot of tackles, caused a lot of havoc around the ball. It's just there's certain things you can't teach. He's slow. And oh yeah, yeah. That's just not gonna be he was slow in college, he's gonna be slow now. Nothing is gonna change. I want Jack Sanborn to be good. I would love him to be the next Brian Erlach, but the reality of the situation is he's probably just not. And just for me, like I would rather throw him in there because why the heck not at this point? Like you said, this defense is not gonna be great. Might as well let the young guy see what you have in him. Can he figure can he mental his way to make up for those with the lack of physicalness that you were just talking about there, the, all those mm-hmm. traits that Roquan had that he just absolutely does not have instead of sliding Klein in there, which I'm, I like Klein, but he's because I, and I think he could be a solid plug in and like keep the boat from sinking guy, but it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. why, why at this stage? Exactly. What does it mean? What did you find humorous about this matchup? This upcoming matchup? Uh, <laughs> The idea of Kindle Vildor having to be one on one with either of Hill and and Jalen Waddle. Because he it was one of those things, like it was for a while, it felt like that they were only picking on Kyler Gordon. Last week it was like, All right, Kindle, here you go. Eat this. Have fun. It felt like they were going at Kindle Vildor specifically all the first half of that game. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> and mind you, I thought Kendall Vildor was playing well up until last week. I thought he, especially in this scheme, I thought he was doing well for the fact that he is Kendall Vildor. Yeah, absolutely. But, but last week it was a, it was a bucket of cold water almost. Like he, he looked not great again. And yeah, that's the nature of it. They're, they're not a good team. Like, and it's one of those things, like I kind of echo Dan Bernstein's column a few weeks back when he wrote that moral victories are okay. There was a moral victory in this game. The offense put up more points and more yards against that Cowboys defense than any other team in the league has this year. Right? So it's okay to lose and also admit that there was a bright spot. That's a moral victory. They're not a good team. It's okay for moral victories at this point in time. Yeah, I heavily expect going into the offseason that whether it's one of those middle-round picks, whether it's a free agent, they are going to be looking for a more legitimate slot, slot corner. Because as of right now, uh, Kendall Vildor is, again, he's just a, he's a guy. He looked fine, if not maybe a little good, and then came crashing down to earth last week. What did you find humorous, Mason? What was funny? I find it funny that, of course, the Bears are going to play the Dolphins after they trade for Bradley Chubb. Uh, the Dolphins were ranked <laughs> 21st in pressure rate, only 31.4%. That's the new $120 million man, Bradley Chubb, to you, Mr. Man. Absolutely. But the thing that's crazy is, again, they, they had the 21st pressure rate, but they blitzed the, what is it, the seventh highest. Uh, see, I thought they were top five. I thought that was top five in my last check. When I but, looked at it today, it was, yeah, it was not, they blitzed absurdly a high number of amount. Might, might, might have moved to the top five. But... 21st in pressure rate. Not great. 
now you add in Bradley Chubb, who's got an absurdly high, heavy deal. Um, he's among 49 players with at least 200 pass rushing snaps, and he's tied for ninth in sacks at five and a half, ranks 14th in pressure rate. We just can't get an easy pass rush for Justin. It's just impossible. No, no. And I find and Bradley good. Bradley Chubb is how we say in the old country, real good. He's <laughs> real good. Oh, it's going to be – at least then maybe you can focus on just him I mean, and let everyone else kind of like do their thing. And to my knowledge, he's always lined up strong side of the formation. I haven't watched much Broncos defense this year, full disclosure. But I, I'm almost sure he's lined up strong side, which means he's going on Reef and not not Larry Bourne. Like, right, so if he's lining up strong side, he's lining up over the left, over, the, over the right tackle, right? So so not, not Braxton Jones. Not, no, not Larry Bourne. He's lining up against the right tackle. Oh, I thought you were saying – sorry. I thought you were no, saying, like, oh, no, no. he's running against Reef, not Jet, not – okay. No, I got what you were yeah. saying. Yes. That yeah, so – That more sense. So I just cool, whatever. At least he's going against a pro and not a guy who I feel has been getting bullied all year by good pass rushers. If anything, I mean, maybe this is a good thing, and I'm, this is just me talking to try to make myself feel better about it. Um, <laughs> That's what we do. It's therapy. Remember, it's you still want Justin. You still want the line and some of these people to to go against good competition, right? You don't want it to be. Mm-hmm just like totally cakewalk coddle because you're not going to learn, you're not going to grow, and you're not going to see where your differences sure. are. At least it's just, hey, it's mainly Bradley Chubb with the sprinkling of some of the other guys in there instead of like last week where it was Micah Parsons and, you know, Dexter Lawrence and just a and the, yeah, just, very good and, yeah, An onslaught of just hellraisers. <laughs> so you can still you can still get something out of this. It's not just getting beat up and it's not mm-hmm. a cakewalk that you don't get anything from. Sure. Uh, speaking of getting beat up, we move on to our concussed corner. So something that, you know, going into this game, whether it's based on last game or going forward, that we're just confused by, doesn't make any sense for me. I'm going to connect the last game to this game. It's still not having Dominique Robinson get more snaps. Uh, Robert Quinn had 50 snaps the week before the Cowboys. So 63% of the snaps. Where did all those snaps go? Because 36% of the s- snaps uh, – was really only what Dominique Robinson got. I mean, Muhammad had 83%, Gibson had 67%. I mean, Robinson is just not getting a ton. Now, maybe they see him as more of a rotational guy right now, but, and I know Muhammad's solid in run game, but I just don't need to see a ton of Muhammad. Like, just let Dominique Robinson learn on the fly. I mean, if I had to guess, it was, it's more just they don't want him to learn on the fly. He's a fifth round rookie playing a brand new position for only the second year. I mean, he went from quarterback to, to safety down to, down to the edge. Like, He's still new to the whole position, right? What's so the negative. If you throw him out there for more snaps, what is is it going to hurt I, his career? I, pers- I don't personally think there is a negative, Mason. I'm telling you what a coach is probably thinking, and coaches don't play for development. They play to win the football game. And if they think him being out there for more in excess of 50 to 55% of the snaps is going to hurt them in the long run, as opposed to Al-Qadi Muhammad, who while he's not the physical profile that or pass rusher that Robinson is, they're going to play because it's safe. Coaches value a safety net. You know that as well as I do. Yeah, that's not right? fun, though. No, it's not. It's not fun at all. <laughs> what about you? What is, what is your uh, concussed corner? Just, I don't really, it, it, you kind of stole mine, but if I had to really give you one, it's it. 
it's the lack of discipline within the defense itself in terms of they keep falling for this misdirection crap, and I get oh, it. Yeah. It's like I don't know what we're supposed to expect at this point. Like, because you can only teach stay home, use your eyes, this, that, the other, for so long before it's like this is just something the coaches can only do so much before it's a player thing. You have to just not bite. You have to keep your eyes. You got to stay home. You got to keep your eyes on the ball. Stop just flowing with everything there. Now, they're pro- we're coming up. We're 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 going to see the Bears come up against one of the more well-coached offenses in the league who have a lot of speed and are going to be able to utilize misdirection like a son of a bitch in this game because of all the speed and all the weapons that they have between Kasiki and and Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Jeff Wilson and the list goes on. And Raheem Mostert, I believe, is on the roster, correct? So mm-hmm. there's a ton of team speed on this roster where they're going to be able to outflank you, misdirection you, and basically have you guess in the whole game. Yeah, that's going to be – that just adds to what we're talking about. It, it's You're not watching this game for the defensive part. You're watching this no, game. You're, you're watching this game to see how Justin keeps progressing. You're watching this game to see uh, what maybe Chase Claypool looks like on the 15, 10 to 15 snaps he gets, things like that. Right. All right, and then after that, we move on to our jaw-dropping stat. <gasps> I got to watch that movie. It's been a while. What is your jaw-dropping stat? Um, I kind of alluded to it and gave it away earlier, but I thought the jaw-dropping stat of them putting up the most points all season against the, the uh, Dallas Cowboys last week was pretty interesting. Um, and, I mean, I think we've seen the last four weeks Justin Fields has been the – what the 11th best quarterback in all of football per EPA per dropback as at like, so he's one of the literal top 15 best passers per dropback top 12 best passers per dropback as of the last four weeks, which is half the season. That's huge. That's not just marketed. That's not just mild improvement. That's market improvement of a guy who really up until the Claypool acquisition wasn't being given much help. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think even like, I'm not going to say a stat because I can't remember it exactly. But, yes, I was just going to throw another stat out there where Justin is doing significantly better. And he's just making splash plays, which leads me to my jaw-dropping stat, which, according to Next Gen Stats, Justin Fields reached 21.23 miles per hour this week on a designed run. Uh, for context, right, Justin that is, is so unbelievable. He, he is 6'3", 228 pounds, right? Compare that to the other top four. Like Travis Etienne, he's 5'10, 210. Khalif Raymond, 5'8, 182. Amari Cooper, 6'1, 210. Keyshawn Nixon, 5'10, 196. All of them were slower than this man. It is wild. Yeah, he's crazy. And so after that, what we're going to move on to is our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. This is when we look at Something about the game coming up that we, a matchup, you know, something of that nature that we love, something that we hate, and something that we would fix. So what we're going to look at is for my love, we kind of, there's nothing defensively to love, um, and offensively seems pandering. So for mine, I just put that the season continues to get more interesting. 
uh, that's simply, you know, addition of Chase Claypool, the fact that Justin is progressing. What the record show, Mason does love to pander. I do love to pander. It's just I, I try to avoid it as much as possible. Even that's not true, though. But basically, that it's so interesting. You, you'd think in a season where, you know, as rough as the beginning of the season was, and, you know, the stupid in the hunt graphic bugs me to heck because, you know, Technically, they're in the hunt, but let's be real. They're not in the hunt, so let's let's stop talking about that in playoffs. Uh, but they but are in the hunt. The fact that you, you can't watch the games not. and have things to care about is 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 my love. Oh, sure. I don't disagree with you. It's it's fun. They're interesting. What about you? What That's do you cool. love, love about this game? Um, I mean, I still love the running game, and it, it's more so – because as of the last couple of weeks, they've adopted a lot of what the Ravens did, and they've said as much with Lamar. And had you told me that this is what, how Fields would thrive most coming out, I would have said you're a liar because he was a pocket passer at Ohio State that happened to be a freak of nature athlete. And now he's, I believe, led the league in rushing the past four weeks as a quarterback, averaging a lot of yards Per attempt, I, I don't have that number in front of me. I just I'm going off the top of my head, but it's it's just it's a breath of fresh air, and they're still running the ball well. Like, and I know a lot of what Montgomery does isn't sexy, but it's necessary in a way. He gets a lot of the ugly yards. He's always falling forward. It, I, I kind of made the joke the other day um, with my dad that he's the classic running back. That coach, I got four yards for you. All right, we need ten yards, coach. I got four yards for you. Like, there's nothing wrong with only getting three to four yards of carry, and especially in an offense that isn't really generating a ton of anything at the moment in terms of that on a consistent basis. And I think Khalil Herbert's fun as hell, but he still leaves a lot to be desired in pass protection and really being able to catch the ball with any sort of consistency because outside of that screen pass, he still looks like he fights the ball a lot. But – yeah, the running game is a legitimate bright spot, and let's hope with the addition of Claypool and the ascension of Justin with the funny body throws that you see, that you're going to see him progress further in the passing game and not have to rely so much on just being a runner to make things happen. What about your hate? What do I hate? Um, still, it's going to go back to the corner matchups against those those, those receivers. Those guys are game breakers. Mine's it, the exact same, actually. I bought this Waddle and Hill versus that Bears secondary. The fact that Tyreek Hill leads the league with 961 receiving yards and Waddle's it's not a Waddle. Far, I was going to say, it's a Waddle top five, too. He's at 727. <laughs> He's right there. And he has five touchdowns. Like, it's these two – for all the jokes that were made in the offseason, you know, when Tyreek Hill talked about how strong to his arm was, and then, you know, they showed the video of the ball dying on the way to Tyreek Hill in the offseason program and everything – Two has done. Two has done fine. He's done great. So it yeah, sucks, though, to play against. It's fun to watch. Terrible to play against. And it's also a lot of the stuff they do blocking wise in their running game is just fun. It's it's a well orchestrated, well designed scheme, and shouldn't be surprising given where the the background Mike McDaniel comes from. But it's still it's fun to watch it play out. I love Mike McDaniel. He's such a cool coach. He had my heart when he did the Mike Jones reference that, you know, being <laughs> a millennial of a certain age, you know, that's, that's just, it's, it hits a certain, it hits you a certain way, right? Oh, absolutely. And just everything he does, <laughs> it's just, it's just someone you'd hang out with. 
Um, rehabilitate. Um, mine's going to be the rushing defense. I know I said earlier that I don't think it's going to be terrible this game, but hopefully this is more of a get-right game. If you can contain that speed that uh, Moster and Wilson have. Right now, the Bears rank 28th in defensive rush DVOA. Obviously, like I said earlier, they allowed 200 rushing yards last week, and they're allowing 156 rushing yards per game, which is second worst in the NFL. I hope that gets fixed. At least, well, not fixed because it's not going to get fixed. We talked about that. This defense mm-hmm. is not going to be very good, but at sure. least slightly contained-ish. Sure. Yeah. How about you? Um, you know, rehab is a process, right? You, you don't just go from week one of rehab to recovered, right? So I would like them to continue rehabbing the passing game and what they've done with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the rehab, the running game's been good all year, but the, the passing game is getting progressively better, and that's in large part due to Justin, but it's also because Luke Getze as a play caller is growing up in front of our eyes, no? So we had, what, three really well-placed balls between Pettis, Equinemius, I believe it was Pettis and Equinemius specifically, who had just touchdowns dropped. And now you're adding Claypool to the mix. And Claypool probably only play, I'd venture a guess, of up to 20 or so snaps, but he has a skill set a skill set that no one else on this team does, right? So I would like them to continue doing what they're doing with the shot plays down the field and getting the pocket moving and rolling and really just let Justin continue to do what he's been doing. That's really good. Like, I think it's just – like it, it's, it feels kind of like a cop-out when I said it, but the passing game has been, been getting progressively better. No, I like I like that you said that because, like you said, I mean, for for one, rehabilitation is a process. It's not a it's not an overnight fix. And two, we can't rest on our laurels, right? As bear as for the Bears or Bears fans, like yeah, they've done really well the last couple of weeks. It's gotten better, but when you say really well, I mean, that's still only relating to how bad it was in prior weeks. So you still want it to continue to get better. Yeah, continue to make it better, and I think. You know what worries me? I thought that they would be at no risk of losing Getzi potentially at the end of the year, but if it continues this way, especially with the marked turnaround of the offense after that mini buy following Thursday night football against the commanders, I think you might be at risk because that's that's a massive turnaround. Yeah, the NFL has a pretty short memory. So the <laughs> they'll look at the last half of the season more so than that first half of the season and be like, Wow, look what Getzy did with only having these receivers, and look what he did with. And I'm by no means saying it's even likely, but if it continues, it's something just to keep your eyes on. Higher chance for sure. Now we're going to move on to our X factors. So first for the Bears, (laughs) I I put explosive pass plays downfield. Sure. I want so right with with Claypool, like he's likely only get 10, 15 snaps, and most of the time it's probably going to be. Nothing too crazy. He just got there. It's going to be like, hey, go run a go route kind of a thing. But whether he actually gets the reception or does his presence create more explosive plays for other individuals, right? Does Darnell Mooney get more open simply because Claypool exists compared to what was there before? Things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for more explosive plays because as of right now, they've had very little to none. Sure. On the passing game. Um, uh, my factor is actually Eddie Jackson. Um I think Eddie Jackson's been nothing if not a nothing short of a revelation this year. And a lot of what – how do I put this? Eddie Jackson can do what few safeties in this league can do, and that's make up ground. Bait you and make it up because he knows of, he can read the ball. He's great at playing the ball in midair and making quarterbacks believe that there's an opening when there's really not. 
there's been, a, I believe Tua is what top seven in average depth of target this year. He takes shots downfield. Now, granted, it's because he can due to those two receivers, but I think if you have the explosive passing plays you're alluding to, a lot of the defense is t- in today's league is based on turnovers and just giving yourself chances. Eddie Jackson leads the leads the league in interceptions, right? Mm, I, I think I would not be shocked to see Eddie Jackson get one or two because two is, is a going to think something's there, and b because because of that that he takes it away because the, he just doesn't have arm strength. That ball flutters on. And that should that that would that's my ultimate like pie in the sky X factor. But you asked for one, and that's what I thought of immediately when when I was going through it this afternoon for my notes. Yeah, and that's absolutely fair. Now for the Dolphins, uh, I put what will the blitz blitz look like because it's all about containing Justin Fields, right? It's mm-hmm. the playmakers are not good enough for Justin now to ball out and be Himothy. So, because last year the Dolphins blitzed Lamar Jackson on 55% of his dropbacks in their week two matchup and 60% mm-hmm. of his dropbacks last season, resulting in that ugly 22 to 10 loss that the Ravens had. And we also saw Wink Martindale blitz Justin a lot in that Giants game. Now, there's been a lot of improvement, but you know, with how the Bears' offense has transitioned, I would assume the Dolphins are going to blitz the heck out of him. And I feel like they need to, otherwise, he's going to try to take over the game and be, you know, the entirety of the offense. I think that's fair. Um, I actually believe my X factor is going to be Jeff Wilson this game because I think a lot of what people don't understand in terms of marrying the run to the pass, as it were, or not understand but don't really give credit to, is the marriage of it. Yeah, you can get out to a lead and get get it all with passing. Eventually, you got to salt away the game, right? You get three – say you get a – three possession lead and say it'd be 17 points, even just a quick three possessions. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, here's Jeff Wilson. I believe he's top six or five in the league in rushing yards right now. And just here he is. We're going to salt away the game. And we don't think you can stop us because once we get past that first level, which hasn't been good anyway, aside from really, I think Justin Jones has been very good this year, but he doesn't have much help. Um, so once you get past him, it's kind of like, all right, someone make a play. Because isn't, isn't second on the team in tackles, isn't it Jaquan Brisker right now? I think you're right. I, I, I could be wrong on that stat, but I, I thought it was him. So I think Jeff Wilson's going to be a massive X factor, and it's like you would assume, oh, he's not going to get much run. But look what Christian I – mean, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but McCaffrey didn't even know the offense in his first game in San Francisco, and he went crazy. Now you're putting him with an offensive coordinator he's familiar or a play caller he's familiar with and Mike McDaniel and an offense he's familiar with. He's probably going to get some run and he's a little more of a tough rugged back than Raheem Mostert is because Mostert is more of the big play guy. Yeah, that's a really good one. So based on everything you're saying, I'm curious what you're going to say for this. Who is going to be your offensive player of the game? You know, I, I'm not really sure. I, I what I don't want to double down on Wilson, so I would assume it's probably going to be. I, I'm going to say Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is going to just torture them because he lines up inside, outside, and goes all over, and he's still the fastest son of a bitch in the league. But that's I, I can't give it to Tua just because I still don't think much of Tua. I think he's just operating a system that is almost fail proof. 
I was going to say Tyreek Hill as well, but just because I can't say the exact same thing you're saying right now, I'm going to say Riley Reef because he contains Bradley Chubb and allows Justin to do it. <laughs> Are you going to pick the Bears to win this game, Mason? We'll see when we get to the uh, to the picks. Um, what about right. defensive? Well, defensive player, I have Eddie Jackson. Um, I ex- just like you said, I expect Tua to leave a few out there. He's going to hang some up there, and Eddie's going to have a pick at least, and mm-hmm. that could really help keep the Bears in the game. And really, right? Because you got to just keep, keep Tyreek off the field. So, what about you? Um, you know, it's hard to not go with a a, a Dolphins defensive player, and it's. I just don't know how much Bradley Chubb is going to play. It's easier for an edge defender to play right away off of a trade because there's just less to know as opposed to like a corner or a safety. But I'm almost inclined to go with Travis Gibson because I think he's been flashing lately and I don't particularly think too much of the offensive line on the side he lines up on in Miami. So I'll go with Travis Gibson and say he gets a sack or two. I don't think they win at this moment in time, but I think he's been trending upward. Absolutely. All right. And King of the North, a.k.a. our MVP, who do you have? I'll stay with Tyreek. Totally valid. I'm going to go with Justin. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I think you're going to leave that game still saying Justin was one of the best players, ultimately, best athletes on the field. Uh, He's going to have the most eye-popping stuff go on for him. Sure. Uh, I can see that. Over, under. Oh, it's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> yeah, all the absurd stuff that uh, no matter what, you're wrong. So first we have one and a I'm half married, sacks. I'm wrong no matter what, regardless. Or Bradley Chubb, over or under. How many? Half a Zach? One and a half. Under. Uh, two and a half receptions for Chase Claypool. Over. I think he gets three. Ooh, nice. I had the same number. Uh, point. I'm going to bring this back until it happens. 0.5 touchdowns for Darnell Mooney. Oh, over. He's got to get in eventually, right? <laughs> eventually, you, you you must be right. It, you Eventually. Uh, over, under, 100 receiving yards for Tyreek Hill. Oh. Over. Yeah, he already has four games with over 100, and one of two of them, one was 190, and the other one was 188. I was going to say, he might set his his career record this weekend. <laughs> and this one's a, a pick So which tandem will be more productive? And that's up to you how you would determine what that means. Uh, okay. Between Mostert and Wilson versus Montgomery and Herbert. I will say Montgomery and Herbert. I would agree. I think this is just going to be because the Dolphins – can throw more so they will and the bears have to run so they will i think it's that and just uh the bears are going to play ball control field possession game they they don't want to give you the football and our next section is today called bear down or purposefully problematic oh god give me give me the drum You gotta admit that one was good. You gotta admit that one was. It was. I was actually gonna tell you this joke that I have that leading into this. Um, what is a dolphin's biggest problem in life? Uh, what is that? Finding his poipus. There we go. So this is the section where we're going to take uh, 
a Bears player. We're going to take a Dolphins player. I'm going to rapid fire them at Danny. And he's going to pick which one that he would prefer given a situation. Sometimes we're looking at the future. Sometimes we're looking at the now. This one, we are looking at the now. We are saying in 2022, if you were constructing, let's say, specifically the Bears, right? You're in what you have is rebuild, is retool, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I call it a rebuild very much so. Which of these two players would you prefer? Okay. So we have first Dave Montgomery versus Raheem Mostert. Probably Montgomery. Cleo Herbert or Jeff Wilson? Probably Jeff Wilson. Cole Komet, Mike Gesicki. Gesicki. Sam Mustafer or Connor Williams? Connor. Braxton Jones, Teron Armstead. For right now, uh, Teron Armstead. He's still one of the five or six best left tackles in football. The only reason I thought you might not go with him is because we're talking about Bears rebuild. You might just be like, eh, like, I don't need that money on my. You said, right. I would say that, but you said for right now. If you're saying, yeah, 2022. Yeah. Braxton Jones is ascending, and I think he's been a revelation as a fifth round pick, but I just think he's still not Toronto Armstead. No, 100%. Uh, Chase Claypool or Jalen Waddle? Waddle. And then Darnell Mooney or Jalen Waddle? Waddle. Rough when you have when your number one is beat right there, number two. And this one's a special Cole Komet or Adam Shaheen. Oh, Komet. <laughs> I had to ask. I don't think Cole Komet's been picked for any of these that we've done, so I had to give him something. Cole Komet or the grass. He does fall a lot. All right, now <laughs> for the defense, a little shorter. Uh, Travis Gibson or Jalen Phillips? Ooh, Jalen Phillips has been fun, but I would probably say Travis Gibson at this moment in time. I think he's been a little more productive at this point. Uh, Justin Jones, Christian Wilkins? Ooh, two very different players. Christian Wilkins is much better against the run. J- Justin Jones has been better against the – better as a fast rusher. Um, I'll probably lean Wilkins because I think he's a little more well-rounded versus I think at this moment in time Justin Jones is a little bit more one-trick pony, as it were. Xavier Howard or Jalen Johnson? Ooh, I think those two are very comparable. I'll go Jalen Johnson because of age. Cater Kohu or Kendall Vildor? Can I say neither? <laughs> yeah, you, you got to <laughs> fill your squad. What was the first guy's name again? I, I, I want to pronounce it correctly. I, I don't think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, Kater Kohu, K-O-H-O-U. I'll take Kohu. Because <laughs> he's not, by virtue of the fact that he's not Kendall Mildor. Literally didn't know he existed till this moment. Still prefer him. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, we got Jerome Baker or Jack Sanborn. Ooh, I like Jerome Baker. I'm going to Baker. Yeah, it was cool because... This is one of the first times doing this that there's been a matchup where I was like, oh, this is actually like good matchup in terms of like the Xavier Howard, Jalen Jones. It's usually been the Bears win the running backs. They win the quarterback more often. And then everything else is the other team. So this is kind of nice that there was actually like a thought that had to be. Yeah. I agree. And- all right, some of our game predictions. We're going to talk about briefly. Pick which one we pick. Really should have been keeping track of these. I just haven't. So first, let's do this Bears game. We'll start this week, we promise. <laughs> Dolphins are favored by five points. Who are you taking? Uh, I think the Dolphins cover and win. 
I'm going to go oppo. I'm going to say Bears. I just feel like the, the offense is going to score more points than we think. And I just I think two again, two is going to give a couple away, whether it's with like a pick, whether it's just with a three and out because of what he, how he throws the ball. Sure. And it's going to be closer than we think it will be. And I mean, even that Cowboys game, I mean, that was closer than, I mean, you, it was 21 to zero at one point, And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, it's a, it's a game. And it wasn't because of Roquan Smith, and that's the only difference. <laughs> Next game, we're going to look at the Thursday night game. It's a gross game. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Houston Texans. The Eagles are favored by 14. Oh, God. that's. You know what? I think the Eagles win in cover. You're probably going to see just the backups for the Eagles by the by the fourth quarter. They're one, they're almost, one of the two best teams in football. I almost never take – the other team when it's this many like that's a lot of points that's a lot of points man but the texans are really not good and the eagles are the opposite of that yeah the eagles are one of the two best teams in football for my money right now and quietly as much as a lot of people don't want to admit it jalen hurts is an mvp candidate right now he's oh, awesome yeah. He absolutely should. yeah he absolutely is awesome right now <laughs> And then we have, looking up to uh, kind of the Bears next week, they're going to be playing the Lions. So let's look at that one. Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. The Packers are favored by three and a half points. And the Lions just traded away their best pass catcher? No, Amon Ross St. Brown still exists. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is heavily coming into his own, but, like, I still lean towards towards the Hawk. But uh, who would you take? Uh, What's the spread? Three and a half. Packers are favored. Uh, I'll take the Packers to win and cover. I think Detroit's reeling right now. They just fired their defensive back coach as like a like the scapegoat. And I was actually a I was actually a uh, fan of Dan Campbell, but it doesn't look to be going too well. Even though it's not entirely his fault, they essentially told him the defense is going to be awful, and you're just going to have to put up points. I'm going to go. For this kind of the same reasoning, but the opposite. I think the Packers are reeling. I don't know. I think they're gonna, the entire organization is just going to be pissy. Rodgers is going to be pissy. Why didn't you get me a receiver? And then I still think enough of the Lions buy into Campbell that they're going to do that whole like scrappy thing. That oh, they I think do. they buy in. I don't think that they that he's lost the locker room or anything. I just think that they lack talent. And that Packers defense just is really underperforming. I think the Lions just like they're. I think they're going to let Jamal Williams run down their throat. That Packers defense should be so much better. So much better. I don't understand what's going on there. So I'm going to take the defensive court. Joe Barry will do that to you. But that's part of it. And the last one, uh, just because I think it's funny. Las Vegas Raiders at Jacksonville Jaguars. The Raiders are. (laughs) I refuse. I refuse to answer this question. 1.5 for the Raiders. Raiders win and cover. They, the, I don't think the Raiders are as bad as the record are. However, I still think it's we're in the right frame of mind to start second guessing whether or not that Josh McDaniels was a good hire or not. Because this is the second time where mm-hmm. it's just like David Carr or Derek Carr rather is not a bad quarterback. Devonte Adams had one catch last week for three yards, one. What the hell? <laughs> Josh Jacobs is having the best year of his career, and good for him going into a contract year for a running back. And that Raiders team, when they let go of Gruden, they were 
really good under Biasca, right? The the inner page. Yeah. Isashi, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. They were really good at the end of that season. Like they were pretty good. This I don't know what this is. The only difference really is McDaniel's. Maybe he's just not a head coach. It's obviously early in this tenure to say, but the early returns are not good. Not and at all. That defense still can't stop a nosebleed. So, and we'll end it real quick here. A cock six and bull story. Our bold prediction section on offense. I have that Chase Claypool has a thirty-five yard reception, and he, it's going to be in the first drive of the game. Uh, prediction: three hundred total yards for Fields. Ooh, I like it. Uh, on defense, I have that A. Jackson has two interceptions, uh, one of which he returns to within the 10-yard line. How about yourself? Uh, you put it at one and a half uh, sacks for Bradley Chubb. I think he gets that one sack, but also as a menace in the run because he isn't just a one-trick pony. He's a well-rounded defender. He really is. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, hopefully none of y'all are going to suffer too bad through that Eagles-Texans game. That was good to be back. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, we're going to also preview that game, uh, the, the Lions game. That'll be a fun one. I don't know if, if yeah. that's really the way word I'd use, I guess. Fun. Any, any parting words, Danny? Um, enjoy the ride the rest of the season, Bears fans. It's um, it's the most meaningful football in terms of offense you're probably going to watch for a very long time until they're ready to compete again which I don't know if it's going to be in 2023. I really don't. That might be the step, the bridge to the next step. But I think we're seeing a young quarterback very much have the game slow down for him and grow up in front of our eyes. And that matters. And the, the Claypool move, as we stated earlier in the show, means that as well. Um, and it is funny how, for me, my prediction was his, his next step of growth realistically should have been Jalen Hurts. And if you look at them, like even post mini buy, how similar the jump has been. Absolutely, is pretty insane. I just, I just never thought it'd be this close in rushing yards because I just never pictured it being a Lamar Jackson kind of offense or having Lamar Jackson elements infused. Did you happen to hear his presser, Justin's presser after the Claypool trade? And you know what? I didn't. So Courtney Cronin asked a question, and basically it was. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was a question about him rush running and everything like that. Oh, does does the rushing running success give him confidence for throwing? And just classic Justin, you know, that confidence almost going on to hubris a little bit, just gave that little like smirk, like like no, they're two entirely different things. Uh, I'm gonna do what the team asked me to do to win the game, but no, they don't feed into each other. And I like I like that from him because. First of all, it's like shows like he's like, I don't really want to run necessarily. I do it because I have to, but also that he still has enough confidence in who he is as a passer. So I think I've told you this before in just our phone conversations or whatever, Mason, but it's like he's a dude who's always moved with a certain level of authority, right? Yeah. This is a dude who's always been the best at what he does. He was in the perfect game series for baseball in Georgia. He was, I believe, he was Gatorade Georgia football player of the year. Like he was. Big 10 offensive player of the year, I believe, becoming the year he came out. He's not used to being bad. This is a guy who should be, who not should be, but has always been the best and need and has a almost like a pathological need almost to be the best. And you're finally starting to see that swagger come back out where hubris, I think, was the right word. Where this is he knows he's supposed to be this. 
And it's only going to hopefully get better. Yep. And then hopefully 2023, 2024 is when we can see that swagger fully. But again, that'll do it. Have fun. Have a good night. Bear down. <laughs>